Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Andrew P. Shea. Andrew, it's the offseason, but still lots going on. Uh, in the past week, we found out that there was a bit of a snag with this new Big Ten television contract. The end result of it being some of the teams had to make some concessions. And we'll get into more detail on the contract, but let's hit the concessions. Penn State, Ohio State, both agreeing to play a night game in November, which Sounded like they're making a sacrifice, and I'm sure James Franklin is going to tell you, you know, oh, woe is me. We're going to agree to play Friday instead of Saturday, so it's a short week, and we've got to go on the road. But the end result of this, Andy, is their game at Michigan State has been moved from Saturday to Friday after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. But, and I'm sure this was part of the negotiations, they get it at in Detroit at the NFL field, which happens to be domed, so it's indoors. So, in my opinion, Penn State getting to play indoors against Michigan State so it doesn't have to be a chance of that bad weather. You're playing in Detroit where you're going to fly directly into you force Michigan State to take a long bus ride from East Lansing in. And the biggest thing, again, is you're not going to have to deal with bad weather at Michigan State's home field. In my opinion, this is a huge win for the Nittany Lions. Yeah. If So, Jimmy, if James comes out and starts saying that Penn State made a concession and gave up something, I'm going to th- evoke the come on, man, line. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you're not – you. Michigan State essentially loses a home game. Right. Like that's imagine the shoes on the other foot and it's Penn state. And they're like, they're taking a home game and moving it. So it's losing a home game for Michigan state instead of playing on Saturday, say at noon and probably fairly cold East Lansing, they're going to be playing indoors at an NFL stadium on black Friday. They Penn state wins in this sort of acquiesce to uh, appease NBC in the contract that they agreed to. You know, this is a pretty this is a pretty soft landing spot for Penn State in the concession to play a November night game. It doesn't look any better than that, Penn State. So, you know, you got a good one. Michigan State's the loser on this front on about, you know, six in about six different ways, Jimmy. They're the ones that lose and, and Penn State really, really comes out on the good end of the stick on this one big time. I, I, I agree. I agree a bazillion percent, Andy. And credit to him. If, if this was Patrick Kraft, kudos to him. If it was James Franklin, whoever it was who did this dealing. And I, I, I just picture one of them going, okay, we'll concede. We'll give in because we're the good guys. And as soon as they get out of the negotiating room, they look at each other and they start giggling with what they got away with. All right, let's look at the bigger picture then. And the fan reaction to this 
is the same as what my reaction is, and I suspect you too. We knew NBC wanted night games in November. We all knew that. The contract says they're going to get like 15 or 16 games, Andy. Do the math. That goes into November. What did all these ADs, athletic departments, coaches, what did they think was going to happen? Now, I I realize they just, well, nobody told us. What did you think was going to happen? So to me, this goes back to the the difference between, so when there was a, when Kevin Warren was a commissioner and negotiated this deal, there was agreement in principle, right? The new commissioner in the last month has had to sort of work on the long form version of the contracts, which means the devil in the details, right? It is a little bit astounding that sort of the athletic departments and some of the football coaches, and generally speaking, they're like, well, nobody told us this. Well, what did you think NBC was going to want? Two-thirds of the season for all of their money? They were just going to want September and October, and we're not going to want any night games in November because it's the Big Ten and it's cold. It, Of course they were going to want that for the amount of money that they were paying. But because nobody told you, you're surprised by this. I mean, the Big Ten conference itself has been silent for months and months on its November policy, as it was known before. That should have given you the indicator that stuff was going to be changed and and under the new money, you want the money, but you're not going to give up anything for it? Come on, man. I evoke that line again. It makes perfect sense from NBC's perspective with the amount of money they paid and the time slot that they have that they simply want all the season. November's the best month. It's when the college football playoff chases chases the hottest. It's when the the little nitty gritty for the conference championships comes to, you know, comes in full circle and and comes into light. Who's going to win the divisions? Who's going to make it to the championship games? What does NBC want to do? Be left on the sidelines that month and not have a say in it for the money they paid? It was always, when they agreed to that in principle before negotiating the the long-form final devil in the details contract, they knew, the Big Ten knew what they were getting into. It just seems like the schools and the athletic directors and maybe some of the, you know, conference head coaches, they buried their head in the sand. And said, maybe it'll be the same as it always was. It should be the same as it always was. When you knew it wasn't going to be. NBC, it's the money, and they are dictating what they want. And they should get November. Andy, you know, I'm, I I agree with you. But I'll, I'll put the little different spin on this. And you're going to say, this is you, Jim, being the Penn State fan. Yes. It's going to be my bias against the Big Ten. Yes. But I think it... It's either they were stupid or they were arrogant. And I don't think these people are stupid. I just right. believe that Audrey. Ohio State and Michigan are just so used to saying, well, it's what we want, end of discussion. And the Big Ten just rolls over and says, okay, whatever you guys want. You know, it's Ohio State, Michigan. They play the last weekend of the season. They play at noon no matter what. Now, here's a situation where television, as you pointed out, Andy, they're contributing a lot of money. And you can say, well, we don't want television ruling the game. If you don't want television ruling the game, then don't take those huge television contracts. It's very simple. 
You can't have it both ways. You can't have your money, but then uh, demand the details of it. So they intentionally put their head in the sand, as you said, or just literally thought we can do whatever we want, and then they act surprised. Please, don't give me that. Don't act surprised. Now, another part of this, Andy, is that um, what some people aren't aware of is Fox actually owns a the majority, actually, of the Big Ten network. They do. but And they also own the television rights. They do. So they are the ones who are actually – people wonder why in the world is Fox at the negotiating table with the Big Ten? Well, here's this is the answer because they control those rights. My bigger question is now all of a sudden it comes out that NBC was given one of the Big Ten championship games. I think it's the 2026 game. And it's like Fox is saying, wait a minute, you didn't have the right to give that to them. We own those rights. My question is, how did Fox not know that until now when they were at the negotiating table? And does know what you talked about, the long form contract, the details. This had to be there, though, in the highlights <laughs> that NBC was going to get this game. How could Fox not say anything until now? Yeah, this was the this was a, the agreed to in principle, but the only explanation I have is maybe Fox figured in the long form negotiation they could negotiate that out by sort of leveraging the money and saying, you know, we own the rights and you can't do that, and this is going to cost you a boatload of money. To which the Big Ten said, "Okay, we don't care. We'll give you back your money. We want the 2026 game on NBC." So. You know, I think Fox got caught. They were at the table, but they got caught sort of, you know, a little bit with, you know, their their shirt on, off and a little bit exposed and saying, look, our money and our, our owning the rights is stronger than anything. And the Big Ten turned around and said, no, you're, we, we have a, a deep war chest as well. Your money is, spends the same as ours, and we're willing to give you your money back. So... That's, that is just what my guess is, is that they just strong-armed Fox and said, well, okay, yeah, your money's powerful, but it's not any more powerful than our money. Here's your version of the 2006 title game money back. NBC, you get it. End of story. Well, well, here's the, the other part to this story is, you know, Kevin Warren is being the fall guy for the issue. And you know I am not a Kevin Warren fan at all. You are not. I am I am not. However, one of the biggest reasons why he's the fall guy, he's not there anymore. So it's easy to take shots at him. And perhaps he did, you know, I'm asked by people, how could this happen? How could Kevin Warren negotiate these things and not tell anyone? He was hired to get this huge television contract. That was his highest priority. He went out there and got them the billions of dollars. And I suspect he was like, you know what? Those details, I'll get back to the teams and say, hey, look, guys, you want the, all this big money from NBC? You got to play night games in November. Um, I think he was probably confident he could convince them of that. He was probably convinced it was not that big a deal. 
which really it shouldn't have been that big a deal. He be, by not being there anymore, he just becomes a convenient fall guy. He he does become the convenient fall guy. He negotiated in principle, and I think where he fell short was he didn't take the negotiation in principle and take the devil in the details that would be facing the schools to them. He simply negotiated the principle in detail and stopped. And then when the new commissioner came in, he realized that the time he had to negotiate the long term, you know, the more devil in the detail and the long form contracts, and that his constituents had not been informed, but he didn't have the runway to do that. So it was a very and sticky situation. Quick last point. The article that first came out that was so critical of everything that went on, gee, do you think it was coincidence that it came from ESPN, the network who's now not involved? Just asking, Andy. Anyway, that is it for quarter number one. We got more to go. Stick around. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy. I'm Jim. This is quarter number two of our show. Andy, I got all worked up in that first quarter because of the I call it the idiocy of those people. But the bottom line is they're still making billions of dollars. So who am I to (laughs) judge them, right? Uh, And the end result, everyone is happy. They're going to get their money and and all will be well. All right. 
have another topic for quarter number two that I wanted to talk to you about, Andy. And I'm an avid re- reader of The Athletic. I think they do some wonderful things on the national collegiate picture. I think they have some very good writers. And they bring up some great topics. And they brought one up, and I wanted to talk to you about it more in general. They had an interview with the Oklahoma coach, Brett Venables. If you remember, he was the longtime defensive coordinator at Clemson. Correct. those national championships. And he now is the coach at Oklahoma. Big-time program, huge program. And it took that kind of head coaching offer to get him to move. But it appears he took with him from Clemson a policy that they had, which was a no-visit policy after a player commits to you. Now, James Franklin has always talked about this, too. And the idea being, Andy, you're this high four-star prospect. I want to get you to come to Penn State. But before you commit, I'm going to tell you, go do all your visits first. Take the commitment serious. If you're going to commit to Penn State, be committed. First of all, overall, what do you think of that as a concept for a college to take? That's the stance to take. So I think, well, what Venables is doing is taking it to another level. Excuse me, I think. I think it was a soft sort of policy at Clemson or sort of a maybe like a a preference, not really a hard and fast rule per se. Um, And and I think he thinks it should be at another level. I think James sort of has the same thing at Penn State. That's maybe a preference is a better word. But, I mean, it has become – I mean, I've been covering recruiting. I thought it would be important to say this for probably 20 to 25 years I had covered recruiting in college football. And I'm not saying this is that today the way it goes down is worse or better. I'm just, I I know for a fact that the word commitment means nothing to me anymore. I'm almost numb to the word. Like, okay, so you said you are committed to Penn State, but that doesn't really mean anything to me anymore. It doesn't mean that you are definitely going to Penn State. It just means they're your favorite right now, or they're the one that you like the most at in this moment. So it's just a, 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 you know, a switch in the thing, but I think Venables is sort of taking it to a whole nother level to answer your question in terms of this is a sort of hard, it's sort of a hard rule for me. This is a, this is part of my culture and part of what I think is important. And he's really, really going to push the envelope with it. And I admire that, Andy, because as you point out, the commitment doesn't really mean anything. Your verbal commitment is an oxymoron, okay? Right. It's, it, it's meaningless. Now, the teams, essentially, once they accept the verbal, theoretically, they are committed also. If I say, hey, Andy, you know, we're making you a – committable offer and you commit, I can't yank that away from you. Now we know sometimes that happens where schools will freeze that guy out because another player comes in. As a rule, I believe it's typically that the schools stick by that commitment and the players don't. 
it makes the argument of, well, if you're going to verbally commit, why can't you sign the contract at that point? Is that the fix for this, Andy? So you know what? If I'm asking you for your, I'm not going to ask you for a verbal commitment. I'm going to ask you for a written commitment where it truly is, where you're committed to me and I'm committed to you. Is there any reason why they shouldn't do that? <laughs> no, I, I I think it is a two-way street, but I think Venables is pointing out that his commitment is a one is complete and whole to somebody who is equally as committed in return. And I think Venables is kind of showing that it doesn't, he's saying your talent is important, but your commitment and your values, I want those to be the same as well. I mean, he doesn't, I don't think he really cares about players. What I, what Venables thinks reminds me of Herb Brooks in 1980, the U.S. Olympic hockey team, Miracle on Ice, right? He, when he said at the tryouts, when he picked his team, he wasn't looking for the best players. He was looking for the right players. And I, that strikes me as sort of what Venables is kind of trying to say here is, I don't necessarily care about the best players. I want the right players for our culture and our value system in this program and for what I think is important. And I want that to be important in them as well. I'm looking for the right one. So I just think he doesn't care. I just think he doesn't care about if you're really, really good or you're a five-star or you're a four-star. Yeah. You're going to be a good football player either way, but I think he wants, I think he's asking for more of them just than their pure football talent. And it's a fascinating, it was a fascinating read. And I had no idea he was taking sort of what he, what they did at Clemson and how they did it at Clemson and taking it to a whole nother level. I had no idea. It's fascinating. And Andy, it's great if it works. And the theory being, you know what? You're a good player. If you're going to Oklahoma, you've gotten an offer. We know you're a good player. But what happens the next time there's a great player who's ready to commit to Oklahoma, but he still wants to make those visits? And Brent Venable says, sorry, kid, you're not committed then. Go look around if that's what you want. And the end result is the player ends up at Texas instead of at Oklahoma. And you know what? That player ends up for Texas beating Oklahoma for a conference championship or whatever. Is there a point where you get burned? Is there a point where you say, you know what? This talent is so good, I can't give them up. Venables is saying, don't care. That kid's going to be a drama queen. If it's drama... On the commitment level, there'll be drama once he gets into the locker room. Right. Do you buy in that with today's uh, players? I, I think a little bit, but at the end of the day, uh, what? So Venables can have this, right? Like this is the fascinating part to me. He can operate this way. It's he's the head football coach of the program, and he can do it how he wants. You know, Deion Sanders is doing it how he wants at Colorado. You have to win football games, right? And talent matters on the field. So is what he's doing translating to wins or is what he's doing translating into mediocrity and, you know, eight and four or, you know, 
seven and five or a 500 record. What is the translation of it look like for the product on the field? The process matters, but it only matters when the, of, in terms of what the end result looks like. And we all know that in college football, especially at the level of a program like Oklahoma, the only thing that really kind of matters is winning, right? So if Brent Venables wants to do it this way, that is perfectly fine. But he's still got to produce at the end of the day, and that's that's the sort of the juxtaposition where he's basically saying, yeah, okay, I think I can still win this way. And if I don't, so be it. I'm okay with that because I did it in what I thought was the best way and in my image and likeness. And that is very important to him. And he's willing to, to stick his neck out there. Just like Deion Sanders is willing to stand on his own. It's sort of the same thing, but in a different realm. They're, the end result has to be the same, no, Jimmy. You have got to win football games, especially at a program like Oklahoma. And you can't be 8-4 and four and 7-5, and five, you know, two seasons under this sort of process and expect to have a job. You just won't. That's just the bottom line. Okay, my question to you then, Andy, is, is this the effective way if you're the Oklahoma coach? Or is this going to be one of those, you know, bless your heart, Brent, for believing this is the best route. And remember, he's on his way to the Southeast Conference with Georgia and LSU and Alabama and Florida and everything else that comes with it. Or is this going to be, hey, it was noble of you, Brent, but at eight and four, see ya. Yeah, I think, why do my, I hate to say this, Jimmy, but why do my instincts tell me that it's going to be eight and four and see ya? And because I, I just think that is the more likely scenario, right? Um, and I don't think he's like, he's not demanding your commitment. That's the thing I want to make sure I point out. He's not demanding your commitment and then telling you not to do it. He's just saying, when you give me your commitment, this is what I expect from it. In other words, he doesn't care how long you take. He doesn't even like National Signing Day as sort of like a end all. He wants you to do it your way and figure out what's best for you and then make your commitment. And then once you do, that's where the process ends. He's not a give me your commitment early and then you're just mine and hold on to it. It's not even greedy or selfish. It's sort of like go out and shop. Make sure you, you know, do your announcement and figure it out for you. But don't commit to me unless you are coming here and the word commitment means something. So it's a very interesting line, but I have a strange feeling that in the modern age and with college football, that it's just simply not going to work. And I think his downfall might be more that he's going to the Southeast conference than anything else. And to translate this to what I, I'm glad you described it the way you did there at the end, because I think that's the way James Franklin does it. And I think it's working for him. It's effective. They're recruiting as well now as they ever have. And it's, Look, I'm not putting a gun to your head to commit. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. I'm telling you, don't commit until you're ready and you are fully committed. Right. And I think that is 
the better way to handle it. And I am rooting for that concept. Andy, that's it for quarter number two. We're going to take your questions next. Quarter three, it's Ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's Ask Andy. We take your questions. Ask them of Andrew P. Shea. At the end, he'll pick out the best question. That winner will get the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. The great sauces, barbecue rubs, Bloody Mary mix, all that fantastic stuff. So let's get to Actually, before we start the question, I just want to give a little bit of a shout out to one of our very loyal listeners and guy who sends in questions. And that's Steve from Columbia, PA. Andy, he sent me a picture of his daughter on her honeymoon in Rome. She's at the Coliseum with the picture holding up a Penn State flag. <laughs> you know what? Steve, you That's raised true. her correctly, okay? So congratulations on that, Steve. You did a great job in raising your daughter. All right, let's move on, Andy. And our first question, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, this is Rob from Columbus, Georgia. And he says, Jim. This question is for you because you're the fan, not an analyst or journalist. Given the changing TV contract, who was your dream team TV commentators, color commentary, and play-by-play? 
I think we've had the last regular season Herb Street Fowler duo, and he adds in parentheses, Grant Haley will score. Just for fun, you can do living or deceased. Love the show. Andy, I'm going to give you a minute or two to think about it because I'm going to, I'll throw out mine because I, I get the chance to think about this ahead of time. And I'm going to do a couple categories. Current, I, I think Fowler and Herb Street are good. I'm not one of those who complains about the commentators as much as I think some other folks do. Yeah. But a couple folks that I like, I do like Todd Blackledge. I like that he's going to be the lead NBC guy and going to do Penn State games. A name that not a lot of people, Dan Orlowski has done games. I like him. Uh, Joel Klatt, who's on the Fox lead with Gus Johnson. I think he does a pretty good job. I think all those guys do their homework. And I'm going to go into the old, the retired guys, just throw out some names because I enjoy this. Keith Jackson, Nelly, along with Bud Wilkinson. If you're a certain age, you know that. I'm going to go even further back, though, Andy, maybe even before your time. When I was a little kid, this is an NFL guy, but Ray Scott, who did the Green Bay Packer games, I could still hear his voice in my head, and he wasn't, you know, didn't have the flowery, he was a minimalist. It would be Star, McGee, Touchdown, Green Bay, fantastic stuff. And again, I was prepped ahead of time for this. I'll give you one last name for Penn State fans. How about Fran Fisher on the radio call? Uh, there you go. Tremendous, you know, and a tremendous gentleman. I got the chance to meet him. I won't take up the time to tell this, my Fran Fisher story, but I got to meet him and just a tremendous gentleman. Okay, Andy, that was me stalling to give you a little bit of time to respond. I'm good. So I'm going to blend a little bit of old and new. I agree with you. I like Todd Blackledge. He's one of my favorites. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Clatt on Fox, and I think Gus Johnson's really good at his job. But I'm going to give you one college football duo that I would like to see team up as a GOAT pairing. And it, one of them is a name you mentioned, which is Keith Jackson, the greatest. And I would love to pair him with Matt Millen. How about that? Keith Jackson on the call, Matt Millen as your analyst. Because I just think as a college football, he does a lot of Big Ten network games. I think Matt Millen's a little underrated. And I just think he speaks the language of those of us sitting on the other side of the screen watching it. He talks to us. And he still tells you something you might not know, but I just think that duo would be the greatest. And the greatest of all time is Pat Summerall and John Madden, obviously at the NFL level. That's the that's the GOAT pairing of all time. But I, I that's a really cool question, Rob. Good one. Yeah, and my last thought, and I just fooled this. I used to be a big Matt Millen fan. I'm not anymore. And I don't know if it's the shtick got old, but I just feel like he... I'm not sure he does his homework the same way that he used to. And nope. maybe I agree. that's not fair. But anyway, all right. Great great question there, Rob. Let's see. Um, <laughs> great question. Where do we go from there? Let's go to Alan in Pottstown who says, 
Who was your biggest concern on the Penn State schedule other than Ohio State and Michigan? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, – wow, that's a good question. I would have said – I would have put Michigan State on there, but now that's kind of a neutral site game on Black Friday. Um, I definitely think the whiteout game is a whiteout game for a reason. I just think Iowa has some bones under Kirk Ferentz that cause uh, James Franklin coached Penn State teams problems um, on many levels. So I, I think – even though Iowa's going to have some thorns in its side as well, this year, I just think they're, generally speaking, they're a pain in the butt for Penn State to play and beat. And I think I put Michigan State as an enigma. I think the sleeper this year could be Maryland. Now, I know Penn State traditionally just gobsmacks Maryland. It's just a tradition, right? It's an annual tradition. But I, I'm just – putting them out there as an early sneaky sleepy favorite, knowing that generally speaking, Penn state gobsmacks Maryland once every 10 years, Maryland will play a competitive game and they usually win it. But um, that is, I think Iowa is the one outside Michigan and Ohio state that really stands out to me just because they're, they're a thorn in Penn state side. Any thoughts on Illinois first league game on the road? Bielema could turn it into a a rock fight. Too much, uh, too much, too many key components lost to uh, uh, NFL talent at at critical key positions are gone. Right? They still, you know, including the offensive line, they lost two huge key components across the front on the offensive line. But I mean, maybe they lost their DC. Maybe it could be a rock fight, but. Penn State's just bigger, stronger, faster. And with what Illinois lost, that eventually I think is something that will show up. I think some of us uh, Penn State fans, we're still leery of that game from a couple years ago. But I think one of the differences, you know, when we talked about that game, the fact is Penn State's defense did not allow that many points to be scored. And the offense struggled mightily. And I just can't picture this Penn State offense not being able to outscore that Illinois team. Okay, let's go to another uh, loyal listener and uh, contributor of questions. That's Dan from Belverne, who says, One thing that seems to me to be overlooked, and in my opinion, not getting appropriate attention, is special teams. I think special team performance this season could determine the outcome of at least one game and possibly more. On your 1-10 to rating, where would you rate this part of the team compared to last year and what rating would be needed to make the playoffs? Interesting, very interesting question. He is not wrong. I mean, they're going to have a new long snapper for the first time in four years. That's sort of an underrated thing that you don't really think about. You know, Chris Stoll was the long snapper there forever. Um, I, I think they have to find a punting game because in the spring game, it was just dreadfully bad. I think they have options, but I think they need to find somebody or somebody needs to step up. I think they're confident in the kicking game in terms of options and quality. I don't think they're at the same level in terms of their punting game. I think they have the recruited athletes 
to cover and have a um, an adequate or borderline very good return game or coverage team. It's the specialists themselves. I'd put them at a two or three right now, and I'd say to answer your question for the next level, they need to be at about a six or a seven. So they've got a long, they've got some work to do, and I don't know how much sort of growth in progress time that they're going to be given because it, it, it is important, but I'm zero in on the punting game and watch that through camp and through the first couple games and see what that looks like. Andy, I, I agree. I think Penn state has the athletes to fill out their special teams and I do agree. it. Well, they, they have the players in depth to do that. The issue is the specialists themselves. They lost Correct. both a kicker and punter and we We've been spoiled over the last couple of years because the, especially the punting game has been so good. We oh, don't good. know what it's going to be. Um, quickly, I want to throw a question in here. It says it's from Reverend Jim from Manhattan, and he says, "What does a yellow light mean?" And this is, I'm sure, response, Andy, to my taxi reference last week in one of our questions. So. Are you old enough to know with that question, what does a yellow light mean? I don't think I am. I don't. Maybe you can enlighten me and I can know it. It was a great episode of Taxi where Reverend Jim was taking the test to become a, a, a taxi driver. That's and right. He's, he's looking to cheat, going to his buddies. What does a yellow light mean? Yes. And his his buddies say, slow down. What does a, you know, so it, it, it's one of the greatest uh, skits ever. Okay. Uh, Jack in Fairfax. Hey, Andy, I'm holding your feet to the fire. How many wins this season for my beloved Nittany Lions? 11. Oh. 11, right off the top. Yeah, Who are I, they beating, Michigan or Ohio State? I don't know. One of them. I, I don't know. I, 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 they. It's a bad matchup for them against Michigan. It's a better matchup. But they have them at home. Yeah, and they have them. It's a. They're a better matchup for Ohio against Ohio State. They just match up better. Matchups matter, right? It. They. They are just a better matchup against Ohio State and but they can't get across the finish line against Ohio state. They've been able to get across the finish line several times in the Franklin area era against Michigan. They've only gotten across the finish line once against Ohio state. Very good. Andy, I happen to agree with you. I do think they will win one of the two of those games. All right. That's it for quarter three, stick around quarter four. Andy will name our winner. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. We just finished up our Ask Andy segment, which means, Andy, we need a winner. Yeah, we had a we had a very uh, wide variety of questions this week, and they were fun. But the one that grabbed me was Allen in Pottstown. Other than a Michigan and Ohio State, who's the what we think is the tough, you know, the the toughest game on Penn State's schedule. So, Allen, congratulations, you're our winner. Very good. All right, Andy, let's move on to our next topic of the day. And in general, I want to talk to you about the state of Penn State quarterback recruiting now we had the news last week ethan grunkmeyer committed to penn state three-star quarterback he seems to be rising and as an aside our uh friend and colleague t frank carr has scouted him significantly saw him out at state college at the elite 11 event last week t frank loves him t frank thinks this is a fantastic selection. Forget that three-star rating. And he, in fact, he thinks that will probably change. But Andy, I want to talk to you about the bigger picture with quarterback recruiting and where Penn State is with it. And as you know, I always like to do the research on some of these things. And I did something where I went back and looked at the Penn State era from 2015 to 2021. The reason why I cut it off there, and I'm cheating a little bit because I'm cutting it off before Drew Aller, but Drew Aller, Bo Prabola, uh, Jackson Smolik, we don't know how they're going to end up. Right. The prior seven years, we do know. And even though seven out of the eight players that committed to Penn State did not finish at Penn State, okay? That tells you something, not just about Penn State, but the state of quarterback recruiting overall. But one other thing that struck me is out of those eight players, Penn State only had one player, one, ranked within the top 200 players in the country. 
And that was Sean Clifford at number 196. And of the other seven, there was only one of them who was even in the top 300, and that was barely the case. It lends me it leads me to the question, Andy, what's going on with Penn State's quarterback recruiting? And, and I do have to say, Drew Aller, top 100. But he's, he's pretty much the exception to the rule, not the rule. And the other, the last two years, Jackson Smolik and now Grunkmeyer, they are not, neither one has been, was highly regarded. What's going on, Andy? So part of it, it's, it's like there's nine spokes to the wheel. But for me, part of it is under James Franklin, they've, only ever had three starting quarterbacks and Christian Hackenberg was just in his last year. Really James Franklin's only ever had two starting quarterbacks, Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford. Yes, they have continued to recruit quarterbacks. I think sometimes what you fail to look at in this scenario or when you're talking about quarterback recruiting and the position at Penn state, you fail to look at quarterback talent development, right? And the way I look at it is, okay, yeah, a bunch of those guys left, but also a couple of those guys, they developed into viable potential starting quarterbacks who actually went on to become SEC starting quarterbacks. I'm talking about Tommy Stevens and Will Levis, right? They were Penn State recruits. Penn State developed them at the quarterback position. The same two guys were the starters for Penn State that have always been the starters for Penn State under James Franklin. So they were not the starters, but they developed them to the point of being starters. So I think that's a part of the equation is I think the guys they have developed or the guys they have, they have, you know, sort of adequately developed. I just think James knows what the quarterback position looks like for him as a head coach. And I just think he does a really good job of finding guys that fit what he's looking for. Does that make it an elite position for Penn State? I don't think so, but if you just take a look at last year, right, and, and I'm just going to throw this. If your quarterback throws for nearly 3,000 yards, completes 64% of his passes, has 24 TDs and seven interceptions in 13 games, and has 226 completions with two stud running backs, if you get that production annually, regardless of star value, right? If you get that kind of production at the quarterback position on a year-in, year-out basis, you're going to win a hell of a lot of football games, right? So, yeah, the the recruiting is important, but the development sort of gets lost in 2023 because of the recruiting. And I tend to gravitate towards the development but I understand the need for the recruiting and the volatility at the quarterback position with all the guys leaving that's standard operating procedure across college football right now. It's a volatile, ever moving, ever changing landscape at that position in college football. And Penn state is not, is not immune to it at all, despite their stability at the starting position. Well, Andy, and I, I, I'm going to make a statement that's probably unfair, which is comparing Penn State to Ohio State. When you do that, you're comparing to probably the best school as far as recruiting quarterback talent. They seem to get two or three, and, and 
I'm embarrassed I didn't do the homework. I wanted to look up what Ohio State's numbers were during that same era. But just anecdotally, I, I know off the top of my head, they get top-level quarterbacks year after year. They lose talent. I mean, this is a school that lost Joe Burrow, okay, and right. still cranks out top-level quarterbacks. And this year, they're going to have a new starting starting quarterback just like Penn State, and it's going to be a young, inexperienced player. But they've got multiple top 100 players to choose from where Penn State has the one in Drew Aller. Now, if they hit, hey, that's great. But Ohio State, they have plan A, plan B, plan C. And Penn State hasn't had that. Now, the other part to this, Andy, is they've had multiple offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches. Correct. So now it's Mike Yursich. And we see Drew Aller under Mike Yursich, uh, Bo Prabula committed to the old regime. Now we have Jackson Smolik and Ethan Grunkmeyer. Smolik and Grunkmeyer, neither one of them was considered high at the top of the ratings. Neither one of them was Penn State's first choice at quarterback either. But am I being unfair by lumping them in with all the quarterbacks from the seven previous years, I should be taking a wait-and-see attitude. Let's see what Mike Yursich has brought in. Oh, 100%. And really, Jimmy, I'll go back to the Ohio State. I just want to go back to the Ohio State thing real quick. It's They're the same thing. Ohio State is getting better quarterbacks, but they're also developing them and losing them at the same rate, say, as Penn State. The biggest difference is Penn State's not getting two and three five-star or four- and five-star quarterbacks annually as compared to Ohio State. They're both experiencing the same thing, just at different. Penn State's level is, and everyone knows it, at the quarterback position, they are a full level behind Ohio State at that position, and that position only, by the way. Um, I'm probably at wide receiver, too. But that's it. So it's that is a position. Now, when it comes to Mike Yersich, I don't think these are, these are the, this is the first guy that he's recruited, right? Like this is his guy that he got to come to Penn state as the offensive coordinator and be his quarterback. So his clock is now ticking. I mean, he's been the OC with Sean Clifford for two years. You had to like what you saw, right? Jimmy is a Penn state fan. I did. He knew what he was working with and he knew how to drag, not drag. He knew how to shape an offense and make all the parts around it, which are is a lot of moving parts, sort of fit the quarterback because he knew exactly what he had. If he takes that and you look at Drew Aller, who has more inherent skills and talent, that should be an exciting prospect. It is for me, and it should be for Penn State fans. He just has to get Drew Aller to close to his ability, not even a full bloom of his ability in this first year, just close to it, and he will make it work. He just has to understand what he can and what he can't do and what I am what positions am I able to put him in. And that was a moving target with Clifford over a two-year process. And to the same degree, it's going to be a little bit of a moving target for Drew Aller through this process. But Mike Yersich is sharp, and he's shown that the quarterback coaching and the development of that position in his first two years as offensive coordinator has been very impressive. Just my two cents. A lot of players, as recruits, they want to go to a place. 
players have actually said it. They saw Saquon Barkley at Penn State. That makes a running back want to come to Penn State. Do you think after another season of Drew Aller, with Drew Aller at the helm, that will change the narrative of the Penn State quarterback position? I don't. I don't think one year is is enough. I mean, I don't even think one year of Saquon Barkley changed it. I think two or three years of Saquon Barkley definitely changed it, right? I don't think a, a, I don't think you can do that in a one-year wonder. I, you know, for Penn State to change it, I think Drew Aller has to have you know two very high-end successful seasons and be one of those first-round quarterback draft picks. You know, one of those two or three guys in his draft class they're talking about that is going to be one of the first five or ten picks in the draft because you just he's that type of franchise quarterback. That's what it will take, and I don't think you can change the narrative on the recruiting front in one year, Jimmy. I don't. See, now, I, I'm not sure that's the case, Andy, because here, here's how I look at it. It's not just the quarterback itself, but it's also the team. Won 10 games last year. Sean Clifford had a good year. Win the Rose Bowl. Lots of excitement going into this year. If they win 10 games this year, Drew Aller has a pretty good year. He's going to get all this Heisman talk going into the following season. I, I think the narrative will change, can change pretty quickly there, Andy. I I, I just think, I just don't see it, Jimmy. Um, uh, what, as you like to say, I'm sorry, I just think you're wrong. <laughs> I just don't think you can change it at one year that fat, fast. And, you know, and I, and I don't think Penn State recruits poorly at the position as well. I don't think they're below standards. I don't think they're... I don't think they struggle at the position. I just don't think they're elite at the position. There's a big difference. There is. All right. That's going to have to be it, Andy. And yes, you're right. I do say that to you, don't I? Anyway, that is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Come back next time and uh, I'll find another reason to disagree with Andy. You want to come back for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.